This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Vanity Fair. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair. I am delighted and proud to introduce him as Academy Award winner. And the Oscar goes to. And the Oscar goes to. The winner, it's a tie. And any little girl who's, who's practicing their speech on the telly, you never know. Mom, I just want an Oscar. I am Katie Rich. I'm here for today's interview episode with David Canfield. Hi, Katie. David, you have today's sole interview and really with a worthy person to carry an entire interview. Davine Joy Randolph has been working in the industry long enough that I think a lot of us have been fans of her work from other things. And you and I both at separate festivals walked out of the holdovers thinking, oh, my God, finally, people everywhere are going to know what she can do. And they really have. She's had an incredible award season thus far. She's got an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress. And I don't know a lot about the conversation you had with her, except that she was a blast. She was a blast. She is a blast. We started by talking a little bit about her relationship to the Oscars. And then I I asked her about her speeches and how one goes about preparing to deliver a victory speech in front of a bunch of famous people. Over and over, as she's already Mm -hmm. done. Uh, And that's, yeah, we kind of went off from there. Because I feel like a lot of times you get someone who feels like a newcomer in the Oscar race. This is her first nomination. And they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm here. Like, this is so exciting. And she is so cool, calm, and collected in this fascinating way. And it fits the performances I've seen from her. She's a stage veteran. Obviously, she knows how to hold a room. But it is a really interesting glimpse into um, not just her personality, but maybe she's like showing the rest of the industry like what she can do, what kind of command she has of a room full of famous people, like you said. Yeah, we talked about it in a few different contexts. This is, I think, safe to call her a consummate professional, somebody who, like you said, has been in this business a long time. We talked about her you know, time on the guest star track on big TV shows and learning how to sort of adjust yourself on different kinds of sets. Um, in terms of the speeches, you know, understanding that you might be too overwhelmed when you get on that stage and you have to have something prepared, but you also want it to be honest. And I think she struck that balance really beautifully. And a big theme broadly this season has been journeyman actors like Coleman Domingo, Jeffrey Wright, Dave Wayne, Joy Randolph, all first-time nominees, um, kind of having this moment together. And for her, it's that's been a really special part of all this, I think, is, is feeling like um, actors that she's known, that she's admired, having this moment right along with her. Well, and that's what makes her and Paul Giamatti, her holdovers yes. co-star, <laughs> such a fun pair on the circuit. You know, he's been Oscar-nominated before, kind of for a while. He felt like the most famous character actor in America. But they're both getting this moment and um, are just such an ideal team moving through all this together. 
Yeah, she described the relationship between not just with Paul, but with Alexander Payne and Dominic Sessa these last few months as a deepening uh, mm. rather than, you know, rather than a reintroduction, because while they did, you know, they made an independent movie that doesn't shoot for very long. They made it two years ago. She describes that they were all in a room together, basically, <laughs> uh, for a couple months. So they did get to know each other quite intimately. But she's really grown quite close to all of them these last few months. Um, and I hope listeners get to the end of this episode because she does make a pact about what she will do with Paul Giamatti uh, on Oscar night. Wow. Okay. I don't know what it's going to be. So I'm going to be listening with everybody else. Um, let's hear your conversation with the star of The Holdovers, Davine Joy Randolph. Davine Joy Randolph, welcome to the show Oscar nominee, Davine Joy Randolph, are you getting used to that uh, label yet? No, not yet. <laughs> no, not at all. Hasn't sunk in? Not at all. Nope. <laughs> nope. Very well deserved. You've had a pretty good few months uh, with the holdovers, uh, for which you're very Thank you. uh, deservedly being recognized. We are an awards podcast, so I kind of wanted to start by asking a little bit about your relationship to the Oscars, now that you are among the class. I know you uh, came up uh, in musical theater, opera singer. What was your relationship to the Oscars? Do you remember the first time you watched and, and stuff like that? Yeah, well, the Oscars was like the Olympics. Like I watched it. We all watched it as a family, as a family excuse me, since I was little. I just thought it was really pretty dresses. <laughs> and I would be excited if someone like said, you remember? I don't know if they do that as much, but remember what was like every year it was like, one or two really epic 11 o'clock number songs. I remember I used to be very excited for those to happen in the dresses and the mm -hmm. red carpet. And I remember seeing people's reactions. I remember that as a kid being like, wow, this is like everything to these people. Because mm -hmm. it's so unique, especially as you start to experience it. All of this is very out of body. None of this stuff has processed. It was funny. I was talking to my acupuncturist because she's like a healer and all this other stuff too. And she was like, how are you feeling? And I was like, none of it has registered. And she's like, that's okay. And she says she's worked with people before where they'll come into her the very next day and she'll put like the first needle in and they're like, ah! do you know what I mean? Like just... <laughs> A bevy of emotions just gushing out. So I'm just letting it be what it's going to be and not like, you know, force mm -hmm. any energy or this is just where we're at. It, it's, it's beyond me. I never in a million years. So this is this is wild to me. It's funny. I, I remember... The first Oscars that I, it probably wasn't the first that I watched, but the first that got me really hooked was the year that Dreamgirls was up. And I remember <sighs> watching Jennifer Hudson and Beyonce perform mm -hmm. and a teenage gay boy such as myself decided, yep, this is for me. <laughs> this is for you. It's a match made in heaven. <laughs> it's a match made Absolutely. in heaven. Absolutely. The dance moves, those big numbers. Well, too, because I used to love the Grammys. You know what yeah. I mean? Because of the performances, those big numbers. And I don't know if they do as much of it, but I hope they bring it back. I hope they do it this year. Yeah. Uh, right? Like what if they did this big, beautiful, like Barbie number with Billie Eilish or something? You know, that'd be fun. <laughs> um, well, 
in in the spirit of being in some of these rooms for the first time, I've I've really loved the speeches you've gotten to make so far. Oh, thank you. And there is an art to that in its own way. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm I'm curious how you've thought about just crafting that kind of thing. You've you've read them. You've made a, a point of that, and especially maybe maybe not continuing to go from show to show. You have won a few of these, so I'm curious how you think about it. Kind of how to space them out. I literally began truly thinking about it while I'm in glam as we're about to go up to the red carpet Mm. because it just feels raw. I think doing it any other time just doesn't hit the same way or I'll do it. I'll think about it when I'm on a plane. There's something lovely about being on a plane because it's just like this forced timeout, Mm -hmm. especially with my busy schedule to just like woosah. And yeah, usually it's the plane. I'll begin to think about it. And um, during the glam is when I'll start to write it. Um, I was debating whether or not it's funny, like on Instagram or in other places or at a restaurant, if there's like good quotes, I'm like, oh, let me let me screenshot that. (laughs) Let me write that down. Just to not like I'm about to fill it all with quotes by random people, but you know, like, well, because there's yeah. pressure of like saying something epic, and and I'm just trying to be true to myself, but I think it would not be good for me if I did it really in the moment, just mm-hmm. because there's so much nerve. That's a it's a wild thing to be sitting there and then people are screaming and yelling and clapping and cheering, which is the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful sounds, but it's, um, it could be intimidating. It could be overwhelming. And then you have to like calm your nervous system and go up there and deliver this beautiful, this beautiful speech. So I don't know. I don't, I don't really think about it much. I really don't until literally my purpose is like, can we do it now? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So yeah, I just, I just try to come from an authentic place and be sure you never can thank everyone, but I try to, I try to thank different people. So it's not, you know, the same thing because there's so many people I have to thank that has helped me get to where I'm at now. The Run for Revogue is where you'll meet all the most exciting people in fashion and culture. I am Fran Libowitz. Um, we should be the mayor of New York. We all support yeah. that. We support that. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Nikki. Yes. It's been really great she being in this beautiful pink room. All right, Asher, can you hear us? I can hear you. All right. Can you hear me? We can. We can. All right, here we are. <laughs> On the podcast, you'll learn how Vogue really works. Sometimes we'll come in for a second or even third run through until we are AWOK. Can you tell us what AWOK means? It means um, A-W-O-K and a winter OK. I'm Cho Minardi. And I'm Chloe Mal. And we're the hosts of The Run Through with Vogue, where fashion and culture collide. Join us. It's AWOK. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Wondry's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, 
Their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segeith, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, ad-free right now on Wondery+. Plus. Yeah, I mean, that was why I asked, though, your point about being honest while also kind of needing to do it a little bit in advance. It, it does come across that, you know, you've done some work there, but that I can feel you putting forward something genuine. And it's tough to do that Thank when, you. as you say, there's all that noise around you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's an intense feeling. And just to try to steady yourself. Yeah. So over the past few months, you and your cast, your director, Alexander Payne, have, have been kind of in lockstep as a group together. It's been very lovely to yeah. see. It's a unique thing about film, especially an independent film where you make it for a pretty short amount of time. Uh, you finish it, you go do whatever. Uh, in this case, a strike happened. Uh, and yeah, then, two years. Yeah. And then suddenly you're back together, right? And you're, I would imagine, yeah. getting to know each other in a different kind of way. Did, have you found that at all? Nah, not in a different kind of way. I would say deep in it. Because mm-hmm. it was just the three of us. So we got very close. It's like three True. people being trapped in a blizzard for three months. So <laughs> we got very close. I feel like I have a strong sense of them all. But in this space, it feels like we, we're out of hibernation. So it's like, whoa, we're out and about because we're used to being in small, quiet, yep. <laughs> secluded spaces. So that part is different. But yeah, deepening in and enjoying this with them. It's so special and it's rare. So to be a part of something where people are acknowledging it across the board is, is really special. Yeah. How did you find that period when the film premiered and uh, you guys couldn't go to Telluride, say, to, to promote it? I was okay, to be honest, because we were very lucky to be in very good hands, that of Alexander and Mark Johnson as producer. So we were like, we're good. Whatever <laughs> is supposed to be with this movie, they'll carry the torch they don't need us to do this. Of course, you feel left out. Not left out, but, you know, of course you want to be a part of that experience. And now I'm like, woo, that would have been too much for me mm-hmm. to have done all that. Then go straight into that. What we're doing now, I'm tired now. So it, it's... Understandably. It's, <laughs> yeah, I'm grateful um, that we had such an awesome team that could be by our side and really champion us um, in a really great way. And that the project could ultimately speak for itself and, again, be so well-received. But at that point, I think for quite a few actors, it was kind of like, you know, it was difficult, but it was welcome because some of us, we needed a break, you know? We were... I know I just keep going, going, going. And so it was a nice forced, like, sit down, David. You're doing way too much. Um, so I try to enjoy it to the best of my ability. But, of course, you get itchy because mm-hmm. you want to do all the things, you know. And and But it was nice to, like, chill out. Were you able to do anything that helped with the chilling out in that moment? 
Fashion Week or Fashion Month. Um, <laughs> was in New York, then went to Milan and Paris. So that was what most of my time, that was a whole month, um, a majority of the time was doing that, which was lovely. Um, and I'm very blessed and grateful to have had the opportunity to to experience that. I know that wasn't the case for many people, and many people were actually having a very hard time um, mm-hmm. due to the lack of work. Uh, so mm-hmm. I acknowledge and accept my privilege in that moment. Um, but it was it was a great time. Mm. One of the things I, I've especially appreciated about this award season is seeing actors like you uh, and, and others who have been faces we've known for a number of years get a kind of moment, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's happened, I think, for your co-star, Paul Giamatti, certainly. Oh, He's yes. nominated along Coleman Domingo, Jeffrey Wright, these other mm-hmm. first-time nominees. Which is crazy about Jeffrey Wright, but that's not here, not here. <laughs> insane. He told me that at the after party of Golden Globes, and I was like, you cannot be serious. But nonetheless... It has happened now. It has happened now. It is very overdue. <laughs> I could not agree with you more. And we could get into that, certainly. But uh, <laughs> I'm curious, like, how you've experienced being on, on the journey with some of those people. Obviously, you've been closest with Paul, but seeing all of these actors in this year um, who've had different kinds of careers get this to this kind of meeting point, including yourself. It's beautiful. It sometimes is my favorite part of all of it. To see like the ragtag group of actors at these events, because uh, after a while, it starts repeating itself. Or those same <laughs> kind of, people. you know, in, in the good way. Like, yeah. right in the beginning, quote unquote, phase one, it was like, how's it going to all turn out? And then phase two, you're like, oh, okay, so it's us. Um, but everyone's so lovely and wonderful and warm and kind and. I can't believe that I get opportunities to spend time with, let alone be in the same room with, and talk to these people. Like, it's just, it's wild. Because to me, I'm like, you're on my TV screen at home, and I get to talk to you right now. It's wild. I'd love to go back a little bit. Um, I loved your performance in Dolomite is my name, as I I hear Alexander Payne did as well. Um, So I'm in good company there. Um, did you experience any of this back then? And obviously it was, it was a weird time because a lot of people did talk about your performance there and then pandemic happened shortly thereafter. Yeah. The pandemic was like slowly happening. Uh, I remember in February I was like, (laughs) I think I'm sick. Uh, but we like completed the Oscars and then immediately shut down. Right. And so, um, it was it was similar, I would say, up until this point. I had the same experience, not the same experience, but the busy schedule up until like last week or two weeks ago. Like that's when it then slowed down. And I was very grateful because Eddie Murphy agreed and wanted to have all press events that he was going to. He asked that I go to as well, which is amazing a dream so i was i I had a little bit of practice with this not Mm -hmm. to the same degree obviously i wasn't nominated yes people were discussing and thinking i could potentially be a contender unfortunately it didn't turn out that way but it was beautiful in that 
yeah, I got a little bit of practice. Um, and like, you know, going to the events and I remember Critics Choices when the whole cast was, or most of the cast was together. I remember I got to present for Golden Globe. So yeah, like not at the magnitude of this, but yeah, I was able to like participate and to a certain degree be a part of it and dip my toe in, in it, which is good because it prepared me for this. Um, before that, I came to know you as a as a guest star on a lot of interesting shows. Like I remember seeing you on The Good Wife, This Is Us, Empire. Mm-hmm. In those years when you were, you know, a recurring actor kind of jumping from show to show, were there any kind of distinctive experiences that you had, uh, any people you met, anything that you kind of learned about the business, particularly the TV film part of the business, because you'd been coming from stage, obviously, that also helped you maybe prepare for this moment in a way. Theater, I think, is a thing that really prepared me the most in regards to the detailed storytelling, as mm-hmm. well as the stamina, mm-hmm. and which is what I'm clearly applying right now, right? What we're talking about, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stamina, theater. TV, I'm trying to think. I was very lucky to work with some great people. Julianne Margulies, uh, the director that we had for most of the episodes of Empire is Craig Brewer, who ended up directing Dolomite, which is ironic Mm -hmm. because he did not tell me about this project. I did not know anything about Dolomite. And then like a couple of months later, um, that happened to Raji P. Henson. Well, we basically had two twofers. It was just me and her for the most part and right. extras. So that was good. Uh, you know, any kind of on-the-job training is, is beneficial. Um, I think I learned through Empire because it was like more like an emotional, more draining. I think what I learned from that was like pacing. Through comedy, I think I learned pacing too as well and like saving yourself, meaning like, in between takes, don't be running all around and joking and all that. Like, it takes a lot to do comedy. Reserve your energy. And the guest star, I think it was just like being a consummate uh, professional and being off book and and being yeah. prepared for the day. Um, I, I Especially coming as a guest star, I can understand and, and I felt this sense of like, I just want to add to this world. I don't want to be a distraction. I don't want to take up too much of people's time. You know what I mean? Like, let me do everything on my end that I can to make sure that everything is running smoothly. Hmm. We had um, Coleman Domingo on the show in, in phase one, as, as you rightly call mm-hmm. it. Uh, and and he, he talked about doing a lot of those kinds of jobs. Um, and in addition to theater, like you were saying, and then out of that, feeling really prepared to take this kind of lead role uh, in the film Rustin. Yeah. So I'm curious for you coming into a movie like The Holdovers, uh, there is comedy, what you're talking about. There is this, she's in many ways the the tragic part of this film as well. There's a lot you have to bring to it. um, And it sounds like a lot of those experiences that you've had informed what you were able to bring to it. Yeah. I can't really pinpoint specifically what it is. I think in speaking about Coleman, Coleman's always been a star. I think yeah. it was just about when the right project 
was lined up for him to really show his stuff. But Coleman's always been a star. Mm-hmm. Even when I first saw him in New York with theater. So Coleman was built for this. I think it's just such a beautiful moment to now see this come into action. Well, some could say the same of you. I might say the same of you as a fan of a lot of your work, that mm. you have been a star for a long time. And then a project comes along where it gets seen in a different context. It gets seen, it sure. gets seen it gets by seen. more people. It gets yeah, seen. It gets yeah. Seen. It gets, I mean, let's be honest. I think that's part of the honor, privilege that you can have when you are doing something with a well-respected and recognized and well-decorated director. Mm-hmm. I knew if nothing else, this will get seen. What they think of what they saw, but it'll get seen. So that was nice. That was nice that it got seen. I'm grateful for that. Uh, because And it's cool now because now people are discovering me for the first time, reacquainting themselves, looking at the older stuff. You know, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Is there anything from that older stuff, as you say, uh, that you are excited for people to see that now that you have been introduced to a new corner of the industry, that you have yeah. a body of work, I would say, that that you've already built up? Yeah, I'm proud of all the work I do because I take, even then in the beginning of my career, guest stars and all, I was always very meticulous about what roles I chose to do. Always. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know if I thought of ones that jump out at me. Perhaps High Fidelity, Dolomite. I don't know if Lost City is yet considered vintage, but all the Hmm. work I'm really proud of. But I would say those two maybe are ones that stick out to me as like ones that I just really feel especially proud of. Yeah. High Fidelity, a a great show gone too soon. Yeah, I love that show. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, in that meticulousness you're talking about, obviously, hopefully, from this comes a little bit more opportunity. How do you think about the kinds of choices you want to make going forward? It's the same. It's the same way of thinking and execution that I had before. That's now nothing's really changed for me except for some of the dreams that I may have had uh, and desires for my career may more readily be able to happen and occur now. Like, I in this sense, it's almost like being vetted, maybe, that then they're like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. You got Oscar nominated? Cool. Maybe we look into that now. Who knows? But for me, it's the same. I don't really change or want to completely do a facelift to my career, mm-hmm. I'm proud of the career that I have and the roles that I've taken. And um, I just want to keep that consistency and that range, to be honest. That's the biggest thing to me. Yeah. Range is like one of the first things I think of with your career is it does feel like from role to Thank role. Thank you very much. You pick very different kinds of projects. Yeah. So I intentionally literally, if I'm currently working on something, like when I was filming Rustin, playing like the church lady of all church ladies. We got a call from me to play a drug slinging, slick talking stud. And I was like, yeah, 
Sounds perfect. Because <laughs> swinging on that pendulum of personalities and roles is how I stretch within myself my craft. So if I just stick with the same kind of roles, characters, I have a fear that I'll grow stale. And I don't want people to be able to put their nose on, you know what I mean? Like on new TV show, what they might, oh, I know, I know what that is. Mm -hmm. I know what she's going to do. No, 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 no. I never, ever, ever want that. So far, you're definitely good. I do not know what you're going to (laughs) do. Thank you. Thank you. I want, because I want it to be fun for all of us. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want it to be enjoyable for you, for me. And I, and I, I, I like a good tease. I like a surprise. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. What are you guys excited to cover in the next few months? There's a new translation of The Iliad that's coming out, Emily Wilson. Really excited to see whether I can read The Iliad again, whether I'm that literate. I mean, the jury is out. I can't wait to hear Adam Driver go again in an Italian accent in Michael Mann's Ferrari. <laughs> he can't stop. I mean, and, and bless him. I can't wait. Molto bene. Molto bene. <laughs> we hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. You really don't want to miss this. Don't. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. See you soon. <laughs> Uh, can I ask you about your Oscar night plans? Anything you've got in motion in terms of who you're going to bring, what it's going to look like? I'm trying to collect as much tickets. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> as I can possibly get. Can you imagine? I cannot. The people <laughs> in your life that are like, I want to come. And you're like, and you should come because you've helped me significantly yeah. in my life. They're telling me I may only have one extra ticket. <laughs> mm. So that's my mission. Like if I can get five, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. I I, I want you to have an audience there for sure. It's deserved. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you know when they're like, hey mom, hey dad. Yeah. Like, and they're up. Then I'm like, I don't care if people, if my people are back there, cool. I don't need five people in my row. Right. But I'm mission get Oscar tickets. That's or buy Oscar tickets, whatever we gotta do. But I have some family members who'll be very upset. Yeah. Uh, so I gotta figure that out. Um, well, I hope when all is said and done, and you come to the Vanity Fair Oscar party, which we are known sure. we are known for our In and Out truck, that you will share an In and Out burger with Paul Giamatti. Oh <laughs> yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. That does it for today's show. We'll be back later this week. Find us in the meantime at Vanity Fair, on social media at VF Awards Insider. And on our own, I am at Katie Rich and David. David Canfield, 97. Our editor and producer, as always, is Brett Fuchs. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. 
there's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, The New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.